Accelerating careers in real estate with Nick Carman. Hello. Tonight I'm with John Beswick, co-founder of Adventure in Architecture, polar explorer, featured in the Guinness Book of Records and an architect in his spare time, it seems. <laughs> um, and for anyone who attended this year's Propski, will know him as the master of the downhill tubular rings. So in this episode, I'm really looking forward to listening to John. What inspired him to start his own company at such a young age? How he feels his adventure traits have prepared him for a career in real estate? And ultimately, when you've done so much, what gets him up out of bed in the morning? Oh, there's a lot of questions there, aren't there? <laughs> Where do you want to start? Well, I think, yeah, as, as ever, a story's always, always got to have a beginning, isn't it? So wind the clock back a little bit. You know, when, when did this career all begin? It started at the last recession, actually. I was in my part two at the time, you know, about architecture. It comes in three parts where you um, you study, you work in practice, you go back to uni and it, so forth and so forth until eventually, 100 years later, you become an architect. Um, and I was in a job. It, it was height of recession, London. Um, it seemed like my career wasn't going anywhere. Um, I met up with um, co-founder Charlie Curtis, who was having a similar... Um, similar experience in his industry, which was um, strategy consultancy. And we just got chatting and uh, looked at an amazing Times article that showed uh, the globe uh, and areas that had been hit by recession. The globe was covered in red dots of... of, uh, Misery. Misery and disaster, apart from Africa, which was red dot free. So we thought, right, let's leave our jobs and um, and head to Africa. So it started on a, a mad idea we spent nine months driving down the west coast of Africa, crossed 33 countries, 33,000 kilometres. Uh, and en route, we actually designed and built uh, various shelters that we erected. And then off the back of this trip, we found we'd met enough uh, mining companies and expats and despots and everyone else that all promised us work that uh, we, we started our own company as soon as we got back to London. And of course, all the people that we met who promised us these amazing towers in Nigeria and everything else, they they disappeared. But by then it was too late. Uh, we'd formed the company. Uh, we were in business. We no had, going back. We had no clients, uh, no money, yeah, no projects. So it was a, a fairly uh, hard uh, life lesson and definitely a very hard first year of business. So I explained to you before we started recording my theory about how everyone has a period of acceleration when they when they first enter a new industry yep. and then they reach a period of consolidation. But yours was rather more on orthodox start, wasn't it? Because you start you chose to start your own company at such a young age. I did, and actually, I wasn't even fully qualified. So the first year, I couldn't call ourselves an architecture company. I did a bit of writing about architecture to to get by, and eventually got qualified. And we won our first project, and it, 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 it grew from there. But that first year, probably because I had so much spare time, I skied to the South Pole. And at the Pole, I met business leaders, entrepreneurs, high net worths, you know, really driven people. Uh, and they were an inspiration. Spent, you know, a month with them longer, came back to London and again worked with them. And I've been working with them for 10 years. So, you know, I suppose off the back of those two expeditions a business plan was formed. You know, we're going to be doing this anyway. It's it's my passion. It was our passion. We, It's actually a good way of, of meeting the people that we want to be doing work with. Um, and so, yeah, that, 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 was the, that was the start. Well, what my hope is, is that, is that people listening to this will be able to pick up some, uh, some lessons in order to spark a period of acceleration in their own career. 
Um, I'm not sure if we've just told All them they the best. All have to do is ski to South yeah. Pole. Absolutely, <laughs> just just go. Um, well, no, it was amazing, amazing experience, amazing opportunity. Um, I went with a, a British team. We were a team of five, an amazing, accomplished team. They'd all been to poles before and, and Everest explorers and all sorts. And um, they were a bit of a, a driving force for me and, a, and an inspiration, I suppose. Well, you mentioned inspiration there. In in your everyday, yep. in your in your architecture studio, in in this at this time, did you have a plan? I think everyone has a plan, whether you write it down and make a formal business plan, which you have to when you start a company to get your funding or to get your your, your overdraft or whatever it is, or whether it's just a, a nominal plan in your, in your head. I think that's not the problem. I think you know no one ever sticks to the plan because life has a habit of throwing problems and things that you just couldn't have thought um, thought of at the time. But yeah, I've had I've had various plans of various demises, but they 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 change over time. Uh, as I said, most of the time it's your problem solving as a business owner. I think that's also the great link to the trips. So you know we'll put on a, a one big expedition a year and invite our clients and and property professionals along, and we do a few smaller as well. But what we gain from that is learning how to problem solve. And what I try and do is learn those lessons the hard way and then bring them back to my business. It's fascinating, isn't it? How on earth do you do you manage to to balance that responsibility of establishing and running an architectural practice, and what also seems like running an expedition company at the same time? <laughs> it depends which clients you speak to. You know, some will say I'm always away, but um, it's not the tr- it's not the, not the case. I think you just no matter what business you run, you you have, you have to, you have to work bloody hard and you have to work constantly and kind of chip away at at your goal whether that's putting an expedition together or growing a company um it's the same thing and 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 building a bit a good a strong team around you so back in 2011 yep um what was the vision I th- yeah i think that has changed i think the the vision was to build a a global empire i suppose a multinational disciplined company and i, I think that's probably driven by ego you know to have try and grow a big company um have yeah why not join a big company west end locations and you know different offices why not join a global company yeah that seems a much easier route doesn't it um no no interest um i think what drives me is uh it's uh, my my baby i suppose uh and that that keeps keeps me going you know when there are problems when there are challenges that uh, i think that's more of a driver for me don't know why why do you think why? Sorry, why why do I think it's a driver to to? I think it's partly to do with. So why couldn't I work for a, for another company? I think I work hardest. And I think everyone does when it's your own your, your own creation. Um, I think some of that comes down to pride. You know, you, you you're not prepared to necessarily fail or to to give up. You you you, you keep going. Um, and I think you're right. It's if you're working for somebody else, it's very easy to sit back and, and do your hours and then and then switch off. I think you you can't do that when it's when it's your own creation. It's the, it's your sole focus, it's your sole reason for for getting up in the morning. Mm, okay. So I ask all my guests, you know, their attitude towards success. And and naturally you can imagine I get lots of different answers. Mm-hmm. So you touched it on a little bit how how that vision has changed. Has your views on success changed over time? Yeah, definitely. 
Um, as I mentioned before, I think initially it was probably driven by ego to, to build a big company. And actually now I don't necessarily want a big company. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a, a smaller company or a, a more diverse set of challenges to work with people I, I like and I trust, both in, within my team, but also my clients. And actually have more freedom and more flexibility. I'm trying to change my business so that we're all more flexible. We can all work from wherever. You know, I've got rid of, we used to have an office with 400 A3 files of every single project we've worked on. And we've got rid of that. We've gone paperless. We've, we're all on Macs and we're all much more mobile. And for me, if I could work on a, a you know, yacht in the Solent or a blazing blizzard on a mountain, then that, and, and still run my business well, that would, that's, success for me which has totally changed from trying to grow a, a big business i suppose well in my research i i uh, i came across uh, a little bit about about blazing blizzards and running an office yeah tell us a bit more about why why your name crops up in the guinness uh, book of records <laughs> again i think it's it comes down to a love of lo- love of a challenge and uh, i've got uh, a very good friend who says john you 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 never let a bad idea go to waste so uh, a lot of these bad ideas I'm, I'm, I'll execute on. And, and I think what you're talking about is a dinner party on Everest. Um, I'm one of a, of, a, of a group who are Guinness World Record holders for the highest black tie dinner party on Mount Everest at uh, just over 7,000 metres. We had a Michelin star chef prepare the food. Uh, we had sponsors from Mum Champagne and a whiskey company. And, and we held a black tie dinner in a, in a blizzard uh, on the... Uh, yeah, on a, a cliff edge on Everest. But yeah, that was an amazing experience. Again, great team. A lot of hard work went into that. It was a, a vision that took several years to to come to fruition. Uh, and I, as part of that, I we designed and built a, a mobile office that we took with us. And we erected that at Advanced Base Camp at just over 6,000 metres. I lost track. Um, and yeah, ran for... A, a month on Everest ran ran the company from from this uh, from this office, which was yeah great great fun. It had challenges in its own own right, but yeah, that was it was a good little silly idea that I didn't let go to waste. Well, right at the forefront of flexible working, then definitely, absolutely, yeah. But I mean, it's all it's all changing, isn't it? And the big companies are changing. Um, you know, look at the big without any, naming any names. Look at the big West End agents who can only house so many people and, and everyone's rotating and flexible and only in the office two days a week. And I think if you extrapolate that, we will all be working from wherever we want. And I think we'll have less and less uh, FaceTime and less and less idea of a fixed office that we all rock up to doing a nine till five. And I think that's the future. And I think it'll lead to a much more enjoyable and yeah, uh, my, my team I've noticed since they're now working remotely on their own terms, they've been more productive. And that's Brilliant. So you mentioned about the planning then for uh, for the dinner party. Yep. What about what about planning in terms of these stages of your career? Have you been able then to to set similar goals for where you wanted to be? I think it comes back to problem solving. I think I like to keep my view on on problem solving and, and you know, goal setting to agree is, is simplicity. I think one of the lessons learned on these expeditions is to keep things simple. So I think in, in terms of my my career aspirations, I'm not going to set I'm not going to set out a career over the next 20 years and try and stick to it. I think, you know, I think as a business, you have to be far more flexible. 
And for me at the moment, it's trying to get my business more mobile. That's my the challenge that's taking up a lot of, a lot of my time. We're diversifying a little bit. So we run the uh, architecture practice and have a range of projects on that. But uh, also we've started doing our own developments and we're starting to build off-grid pods. So I think for me, those are starting to perhaps diversify the business and or have three separate businesses is, is a is my next challenge. And I, I actually don't want to know, I don't want to plan out the route for that. I think a lot of the fun with business is, is coming up with an idea and running with it and seeing where it might end up. Um, and I think a lot, of, lot of, a lot of ideas are the wrong ones or don't come to fruition, but I think you've got to, you've got to try these things and almost, almost play, play with your ideas of 10 bad ideas. One will be a good one. And I think you've, you've, you've just got to try. If I can try and get you to to think about your your career today in, in say chapters, and if and if my theory is right, these the earlier chapters are when you're you're doing your your most growing and sort of fastest sort of learning curve. When did when did you feel like you hit your first major hurdle? What's you know what slowed you down? <laughs> I think as a business owner, you hit a hurdle every single day. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> I mean. Uh, ten past nine, you've you've won a new project and you're ecstatic. And uh, you know, half an hour later, you see most senior team member has been poached by another company and goes somewhere else, and another client leaves. It, it's it's one step forward and two step back. Like I said, the 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 for us, the initial initial hurdle was we set up a company, but we had no clients, really no contacts, and and no portfolio. And as you know, buildings take a long time to to procure and build so for the first several years of the company we we had very little to show for ourselves and the, that very first project was was bloody hard because th- that client took took us on on face value and took a, took a giant leap of faith uh, in us uh, that was great so we've heard an awful lot about these the expeditions and some of these crazy ideas you've had which which frankly sort of instill real fear in me <laughs> Um, and, I'm going to get you to come along to the next one. Well, well maybe. <laughs> um, but the word that sort of you know, sort of resonates with me here is about resilience. And millennials are always bashed over the head, aren't they, with that sort of word about resilience or lack of resilience? What do you think we can you can share from your experience of outside of work that has helped help generate that that real resilience to to starting the company, you know, getting past that first project, getting the, the staff, and starting to snowball that that business as it as it grows. Mm, it's a good question. Millennials are bashed for not having a lack of resistance, but then also I think back to myself at you know twenty first first job out of uni or between studies, I was pretty naive, you know, myself. Resilience, I um, that's. That's a whole series in its own right. Well, for for, for me, the the big expeditions, you know, the, the South Pole, the, the you know, the climbing the seven summits, the big challenges, they're they're goal orientated. So you set yourself up, um, you set yourself an objective, you train, you plan, and then you you know whatever happens, you, you have to make that objective. So I think I think setting yourself that that goal is, is the thing that makes you makes you resilient if you've got it in your heart in your head that you're going to achieve you're going to summit that mountain and, and it for me it started small you know it started with a 2000 meter then it was a three four five and they got bigger and bigger and bigger as my experience grew and i think that's a really good metaphor for for your career um start with a really small objective and you know just achieve it no matter what 
I don't, I don't know where you get that strength from. But Well, I'm going to ask you, because <laughs> there's probably lots of people listening here who think, well, I've set a goal and I missed it. Or I've set another goal and maybe I'll do it or maybe I know it. There's, there's got to be more to it than just setting that goal, hasn't it? There's got to be something that uh, in, inside you says that, you know, I am, I'm not going to miss this one. What, what have you got inside you? Well, I, I normally tell my friends I'm going to do it and then, I, you, know, then, you, then you have to, don't you? Because you get peer pressured into, into it. I think if you, as soon as you announce something publicly, yeah, I, I think that could be it, you know. Perhaps don't internalise it. Perhaps it's a case of writing it down, telling your, your, your mentor, your parents, your family, your friends. Uh, I, I think that helps. And, you know, I've definitely had an awful lot of support along the way from friend, friends and family that help you get there. I, I think the first step is setting yourself a, a target and an objective and then working your way to that point this is a whole series in its own is its own right but i i think i also i just in, i enjoy them i enjoy a challenge i enjoy achieving something when someone says you can't do that or that's not possible or um, i think that motivates me more i think people are motivated by different things and apart from being a mild sadist then what what else do you think why do you think that is uh, why do I why do I enjoy yeah, why, do you, why, why do you why do you enjoy you know, what what someone else considers impossible I don't know I've just I've just always liked it always enjoyed a challenge I've always enjoyed problem solving I, I think I'm quite good at it I think architecture is actually a lot of the time it's about problem solving you've got a client you've got a brief you've got planning restrictions you've got building restrictions and really all they are is a set of problems and actually if you just solve them one by one you'll end up with um a solution and hopefully a, a good solution to all those problems. I actually think problems are a, are a, produce a far better result at the end of a end of a project or end of a expedition, as opposed to you come with me and saying you've you've got no brief and unlimited time and unlimited money and no restrictions. You'll, I, I think, too easy. To, no, I think it's the I think it's the opposite. Actually, I think it's too open. I think it's much better to to have the you know the more restraints, you you end up with a better a better product because you have to be rigorous in your in your logic and your problem solving and in, in your decision making. So, John, you brought up problem solving. Then um, there's got to be times during these expeditions when things have not gone to plan, haven't they? What can someone in their career learn from some of these extreme experiences you've had in order to implement this when things don't go right for them? I think things always go wrong. Every expedition we've ever done, it's never gone exactly to plan. But also I think that's kind of half the fun. I think the first thing you've got to do is 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 literally plan for the worst. Because it, you know, it, it genuinely couldn't could happen. And on, on a mountain we you know we've had uh, we've had climber falls, I've had falls. I led a trip up um Elbrus in Russia where we got caught out by a, a snowstorm and spent 18 hours being buried by snow um, and had to come back down. You know, things invariably go wrong. They go wrong in business. Uh, so the first thing I, I look at is is actually planning for those and planning for the worst case scenario. I think that's that's lesson number one. The various other lessons, uh, and I've again, I've learned the hard way. I think getting getting the team right is extremely important. On a, on a on a trip, you just you can't you can't carry people. There was a the trip to the South Pole that I mentioned. One team member was struggling, and and we were pulling ninety kilogram polks for the best part of a month. And when that team member struggled, 
that polk had to be shared out among, um, amongst the rest of the team. So I think it's really important to to get the team right now before a trip. We'll do a, a, a weekend with a bit of a challenge, trying to simulate the conditions that you'll you'll encounter. And I get make sure I get the team dynamics right because you can't carry you, you can't afford to carry people. And I think it's exactly the same in business. You know, get focus on your team, work with them, uh, and work with them right till the end. Um, uh, another climb. Um, this was pre-adventure in architecture. I. I, I was guiding a, a couple up um, Aconcagua. We'd summited in a fairly elated mood. You know, it was a 20-hour summit day. We were coming back down. Everyone, the three of us, made it back to camp. Uh, or rather, I thought we'd made it back to camp. We were 100 metres away from camp. You could see the tents. You could see the lights. It was dark by this point. I went on ahead to get a brew on and get some food ready for the, for the guys who were exhausted. And uh, they never showed up. In that last 100 metres, the guy had collapsed from exhaustion. And, you know, that as, as a guide, as a leader, that was my responsibility to stay with him right till the end and, and to concentrate right till the end. And similarly, I think that's the same in your in, in work, in your, your projects especially. It's very easy to, you know, get 95% of the way there or kind of finish the building and not quite finish the snagging or not quite get that handover just just right. So that's an, an, another, another lesson learned. I, I think there are there are numerous examples of of how what we do on the outside, how they relate back to business. And I think it's only in with this experience and actually experience of failure, and just saying, you know, I I fucked up that time, but I'm going to learn from it, and I'm you know going to improve next time. I, I think that's a really important part of of learning, and. Going back to my business, you know, I'm still getting things wrong now. I still make mistakes. You're expected not to because you're you're at the top and you 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 got to lead. But I think it still happens to the best of us. So you talked you talked about business then, um, and if I'm if I'm right in saying you rebranded your architecture practice about two or three years ago to to become adventure in architecture. Yep. And that and that purpose was to to really then be a bit more honest about sort of the uh, your focus between your outside pursuits and architecture as well at the same time and and marry those two together yeah I, we'd always we'd always put on these trips always all every year and we'd always we always won work out of it and we'd always met interesting people and we'd always taken property people but i think we were a little bit embarrassed about it i was certainly embarrassed about it that what would clients think of if you know we were away climbing a mountain or doing a big sale or, or whatever it was that we were doing and I went and met a, a, a business advisor and, you know, went through that whole process that a lot of businesses do, um, which was a great exercise. And together we were, we just realized that we should, I should be more honest um, and actually sell that and be divisive. You can't please everybody in business. We are this, work with us if you, you know, if you like us. And actually it's been amazing because it's changed our clients. I've now got far better clients than we did previously as WMMR because we have, you know, like-minded people that um, respect what we do and, and, and want to get involved. And so I understand you're, you're firmly in a, in a growth period of your career and, and in an adventure in architecture right now. So tell us a bit more, what's, what's happening? <coughs> I don't think it's a great, I think it's a, still a roller coaster. I mean, being honest, the last couple of years in property have been really, really difficult. Nobody uses the recession word but i i believe the last two years in london property we've been in in a recession and um, 
lots of business owners. I meet up regularly with lots of business owners and they've, they've all had hard years. Obviously, that's changed this year, which is great. I say we are in a in a growth period, but it you know it's not a guaranteed stable certain growth. It's a it's a it's a roller coaster. So sorry, what's next? To, what's next in the career? Yeah, just you know, keep doing what we're doing. Keep trying to be honest. Keep trying to work with uh, exciting clients. Keep trying to work on exciting pro- projects. Uh, I don't really want to get pigeonholed. I want to keep having a diverse range of of challenges and and challenging projects because I think that's what keeps. I th- that's what keeps it exciting for me and also what keeps me learning. You know, you, there, I've been running the business 10 years now and I finally feel, I, I thought this yesterday, I finally feel like a, I know what I'm doing. But I suspect if you ask me this in 10 years' time, I'll look back at this point and say, and say uh, didn't have a clue. So, yeah, just keep working on on what we're doing. And I, I think not to fo- for me, it's not to focus on growth. It's to focus on on quality and diversity, perhaps. So to anyone who's listening now or anyone who know who knows you well, they'll see this this guy who can conquer almost impossible feats. But I'm really curious, where do you go looking for help when something to you seems almost impossible? I think I don't feel like I conquer impossible feats. Everything that uh, all the challenges that we've done, and I mean we've done we've done some really stupid challenges. You know, I I'd agree with that. <laughs> a, a, uh, a client and I cycled a penny farthing to the Alps a couple of years ago and we've done tandem downhill bikes, really silly things. But none of these have been done alone. They've all been done. Whether you see it or not, there's always a team involved, whether it's the team that you're doing it with or there's a team in the background. There's an awful lot of hard work that goes in. Where do I get help? I, I think I, I start with uh, the end goal, which might be to, I don't know, uh, climb a mountain or or, or, or or do what whatever it is so i've got a, an end point and i've got a start point and most of the time i don't know how i'm going to get there in the middle and i think that's the same in life and i think that's the same in business so all you do is you know where you've got to end up and you just break it down into a series of solvable problems uh, and if you can't do that particular don't look at the big the whole thing look at that next problem that you have to solve and if you can't do it you bring in a specialist that can help you with that and I think what I'm learning as I get slightly more mature although that's questionable is trying to be less stubborn and not say actually I can do it all or I can do this is to say I know my strengths but I also don't know how to do this bit or I'm not very good at this bit let's bring in the right person or this member of my team is better than me they're going to do it and then it's just about growing your own network right the more people you know the more skills that you have that you can call upon and I think that's the great thing also about extracurricular activity these sporting you know it all started with a something very small but you meet a really interesting group of people who are interested in joining you on the next one and then the next one and these things just start to grow and start to snowball but it all started with a simple I don't know three peak challenge in the UK somewhere back when I was a student so it's just it's nothing's impossible it's just chip away at it and, and grow into these things. Well, I think we might have to uh, agree to disagree on that. <laughs> um, well, listen, John, I, I knew coming into this, this was you, you're a very unorthodox sort of character in uh, in real estate. and uh, So I wouldn't, I, I don't think anyone should copy me. It's a terrible idea. And I, and I, I don't feel like I should <laughs> That's even... That's quite dangerous too. I don't feel I should even be here. You, 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 you know, this, copy me and you'll end in disaster, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, but I knew this, you know, this equally, this sort of recording wasn't going to be uh, my my usual interview anyway. So I thank you very much for that. I've really, really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by McDonald and Company, the leading real estate recruiter. To discuss any matters with Nick Carman, please contact him via the email address in your show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episode as it's released.